Welcome to Play the Advantage U.S. Men's National Team Podcast. I'm Danny Day alongside Cody Carlson. Cody and I were college soccer teammates and we are big U.S. Men's National Team fans. This podcast covers everything U.S. Men's National Team related. Well, Cody Carlson, we are going to the World Cup. That is the U.S. Men's National Team is going to the World Cup. For the first time since 2014, back in Brazil, missed Russia. Guitar, how are you feeling? Um, I'm ecstatic, I'm stoked, uh, can't wait, and I knew this was going to happen. Come on, never in doubt, never in doubt, <laughs> never in doubt. How are you feeling at halftime of that uh, that third game of the qualifying cycle in Honduras? A down a goal on the road. How are you feeling then? Oh man, you're taking taking it back all the way to that one, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, that I was not feeling good. I was not feeling. Uh, I, okay, I had some doubt in that game, but we turned it around. And <laughs> hey, that was our that was our road win in this qualification. Was cycle. that the was that the run one road win? We the run the one road win in Honduras, <laughs> second half. You know, so um, on the last place Honduras. <laughs> yes, so we did that. So, so we, we got one. Oh boy. It shows you so. our, our road, our road prowess, our, our abilities in the road. Not, not great. Yeah. I like how we're, we're, we started off with, yeah, we're going to the world cup, but we suck on the road. <laughs> so. But Qatar is a neutral venue, right? And we're not playing Qatar, at least not in the uh, group stage. We'll get, we'll get to that at a later point. But uh, it does it does feel good to be saying after all this, starting this podcast a little over a year ago, talking U.S. Men's National Team, and uh, here we are, you know, looking at man, we're going to the World Cup and we're going to Qatar, and it's been a long, long journey since uh, 2017 that failure to not qualify. But going back to the World Cup, going to Qatar, and uh, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter where you finish in the in the CONCACAF qualifying standings it's as long as you get there and of course I'm saying that now as we finish in third uh thanks to goal differential but uh, ultimately um I think a team is going to be judged on how it finishes at the World Cup and how it does the World Cup as opposed to say finishing three points behind Canada and Mexico in the in CONCACAF qualifying sure yeah well okay there's some truth to that um you know, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on the other side, though, and say, look, we came into this qualifying cycle with higher expectations, having just come off the double last summer, meaning winning the Nations League, the CONCACAF Nations League, and also winning the Gold Cup, right, both against Mexico. And so we said, look, we're the top dogs in CONCACAF as we head into this qualification cycle. Nine-point windows. Yeah, which never came to fruition, <laughs> did it? Um, the only team to Not do it was us. Canada. The northern and, neighbors, so and, and Costa Rica, Costa Rica, yeah, window. yeah, they pulled it out, right? So, but uh, look, you know, so yes, I hear what you're saying, and, and to some extent, I, I completely agree. Look, just get to the World Cup. That's that's all that matters. But you and I both had higher expectations with this group of players, um, the level of the talent pool that we have. We said, and and like I said, we we're coming off the two, you know, trophies that we lifted over the summer saying, look, let's go out and prove it. We should be the top of the CONCACAF standings at the end of this qualification cycle. And we finished in third. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit and, of a reality check for us. Yeah. And ha- had we had a, a, a very good game down in Costa Rica, we could have actually finished. The U.S. could have finished the top uh, qualifying standings, actually even edged out Canada. 
uh, on goal difference, but obviously it went the other way and we didn't. Um, a lot of ifs and, and you know, those sort of things could be said at any point. You know, there, you look back at the, the Jamaica road game, you look back at, at the Canada home game, places where we drop points. Correct. Um, and you see, gosh, how, why did that happen? You look at the Panama road game. Um, but ultimately, our worst performance a, oh, <laughs> of worst the 14 games. I mean, it was the, the most dreadful game of soccer. I think we, you, any, any of us have ever watched. Well, I've watched um, some pretty years. bad ones, but uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly fair, that one fair. was the worst one uh, for the U.S. men's national team. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but, right, that's that's why for the U.S. it was a 14-game cycle, and we weren't we're not being judged on one or two bad performances, and we were able to we had a little bit of wiggle room there, um, which this octagonal gave us, and uh, thankfully we came out. Uh, in a position where we're going to the World Cup. And, yeah, I think we know that we have the ability to be a lot better, and we want to see a lot better. So I think that's where a lot of our frustration sometimes stems from um, because we're not getting the most out of our top players or as a cohesive unit. And so I think that that is a frustrating piece to all this. You know, And sometimes myself included want to go in and blame Burhalter, but you know, also you have to look at the players and figuring out how are we going to get the best out of them on a daily basis too? So, uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, I, I just am thankful and happy that we're going to have an exciting next seven months building up to November opening day, the U S or the first couple of days, the U S is playing a game right in the world cup. And that's uh, it's a lot to look forward to. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, and look, the other side of it too is, is, and just going back to what you were talking about is, Yes, we had the higher expectations, and we said we should be finishing first. But I, I've also been telling myself this to make myself feel better, <laughs> is that, look, the U.S. always performs better as an underdog. Mm, so, oh, we finished yeah. third in the CONCACAF standings, you know, tied really with Costa Rica just on gold diff that we get in the, in the, in the auto-qualifying spot in the third place. Um, that's fine, Canada. You, you'd be the top of CONCACAF and, and Mexico ahead of us as well. And, and with those higher standings, maybe comes more pressure and maybe relieves some pressure from the U.S. Whereas if we'd have, you know, rolled through CONCACAF, you know, qualification cycle like we had hoped we would, then you're entering the World Cup as, you know, top of CONCACAF, expected to do well, expected to really get out of the group stages and perform well and, and make a run in the World Cup, you know what I mean? So, But when you look at historical World Cup performances from the U.S. men's national team, many of our best runs have been when we're the underdogs. I mean, 2002 is our furthest run, if if I'm reflecting recent, correctly. In, yeah, yeah. kind of the most recent history. Yeah. Right, and you know we were total underdogs in that one. Whereas, and then you look four years later in 06, weren't we ranked in the top 20 or something like that? And we just, we were ranked you know, in the top 10. Top uh, 10 even. Year. Yeah. And uh, that didn't pan out. We lost to Czech Republic, lost to Ghana, and uh, tied Italy, was it? I yeah, remember. Not, 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 no, not, a good, not a memorable Didn't advance, right? So, look, you know, that that's something I've been telling myself. Like, it's okay to be more of an underdog as we approach this. Um, and, uh you know, but I guess it's just patting myself and making myself feel better, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, no, I, I think we all expect and want more out of this U.S. team. We we see that the the ceiling is can be or could be very high for this team, and we I don't think we've fully seen that yet. But yeah, but again, you look back at that 2002 team 
when Landon Donovan broke onto the scene. Um, but that, that 2002 qualifying cycle, <clears throat> again, the team finished in third and needed results to go their way on that final day. Needed to yeah. get a win. Yeah. Other results to go their way. Otherwise, they weren't going to the World Cup. Thankfully, they did. And then they go into the quarterfinals and were, remember, a handball by the German defender off the line. Should have yeah. been a red card and a penalty kick, uh, keeping the U.S. out of going to the World Cup semifinals. So um, that's not saying that this U.S. team is going to be making the semifinals. Well, I think we all hope that that would be the case. But World Cup qualifying is not necessarily indicative of how you're going to do in the World Cup. Exactly, exactly. So we've made it, right? We've made it. We're in. And uh, can I just say that the, you know, relief and the just ability for you and I to have a deep exhale and say, okay, yeah, there yes. you go. There you go. <laughs> to to exhale that trauma from 2017 in, in Trinidad, uh, you know, and get that just out of the system. And we're going back. We're going back. So it's been a long time coming. Long time coming. Yep. So, but uh, what do you say? We dive into this last window a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I think, uh, you know, see, you had three games, right? So this is the the games 12, 13, and 14 on this qualifying cycle. And we're we're going into this window, you know, with a four point lead on Panama, five point lead on Costa Rica. And we're, we're eyeing those two teams. Obviously we're tied with Mexico in second at the time and thinking, okay, what, 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 what are the, how's the math work out? What points are we going to need from this window in order to make sure we qualify? And basically the idea is that you got to beat Panama at home. You know that. And then you got to hope that either Costa Rica drops some points somewhere or you just finish ahead of Costa Rica, at least, uh, you know, on goal differential, which of course is what, what ends up happening because Costa yep. Rica does the nine point window beats both Canada, El Salvador and us. So um, I think it was stressful going in, but that's why I'm thankful. If you look at game number one at Mexico at the Azteca, Berhalter threw out his best lineup and went for it. And just how crucial of a point that was um, absolutely critical. Cause you don't get that point there. We're not going to the world cup right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, yeah, when that starting 11 came out for the first game against Mexico, you and I were like, okay, let's do it. We're going for it. This is our best 11. Stefan and goal, Robinson, Robinson, Zimmerman, Yedlin, Adams, Acosta, Musa, Pooley, Wea, and Pepe. I mean, that's a, that's, uh, in, for this group that we had, that was our strongest 11. Right. So, um, and you know, looking at the looking back at the game, looking at the stats and stuff, um, you know, Mexico obviously had more possession, more shots, um, you know, stuff like that. But hey, we had the best chances, big chances, massive chances, right? I yeah. mean, you look at Pulisic; uh, he has a uh, from a Tim Way across, right? And Pulisic hits it basically from six yards out, right at Ochoa. Ochoa, Ochoa doesn't make really a save with his hand. I think it comes off his body. Yeah, just hit, just flailed out, made his body big, and, uh, you know, just hit him in the body. Yeah. Pulisic, so, yeah, if he hits that anywhere else on goal, it's going in the back of the net. U.S. is maybe walking out of there with a with a massive three-point historic victory. But, you know, so he, he was obviously frustrated. He's, I think he stayed down um, injured, quote-unquote quote injured on the play. But I think he was more his. It was his ego that was hurt a little bit on that play after, after missing that. Uh, you know, some might some may say sitter. I, I, 
not a sitter for me. That's a, you know, still a, you gotta be precise in your finish. I think that he probably finishes that seven, seven out of 10, maybe eight out of 10 times, but yep. not on that play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about sitters. The next one was, uh, <laughs> please do. Is <laughs> the equivalent of a layup, right? Uh, Gio Reyna lays it off right in front. I mean, it was probably what six yards out as well to yeah. to Peafock. And I mean, you see him score goals like that all the time for his club mm-hmm. in Switzerland. He's, he's been on fire for. He's one of the top scorers in <laughs> in, in the. Or he is the top scorer in the Swiss league. Yeah, and so you're like, okay, this is a perfect. I mean, yeah, we see clips of him doing this all the time, just burying these right layups, and. He hits it with his left foot, with his heel, basically, and like not even close to the frame. <laughs> like, Goes out for a throw-in. Like not even close. And you see Gio Reyna's reaction because Gio laid it off to him like perfectly, mm-hmm. and he's just like can't believe it. Like he puts his hands on his head and it's just like you know, just shocked. Like how could you miss that that well, badly? <laughs> a lot of the times, Gio is you know has maybe gotten the stigma of being a selfish player and Gio's thinking man I really should have been more selfish on this play and just gone for it himself that's maybe it was what he was thinking too yeah other than yeah you got to bury that but man why did I not just shoot that myself because he very well could have yeah I think it was the right decision by Gio to pass that in that situation it was great read but yeah you know hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously yeah yeah but uh yeah just reflecting on that Mexico game I mean look it was it was an interesting situation because we know we're not historically good at going down to the Estadio Azteca and getting results, right? So um, for us to go down there and not only get a point, but have but come away feeling like we should have got three mm-hmm. with those mm-hmm. two golden opportunities to put one in the back of the net, we could have stolen three points there. No, absolutely. And I don't think anyone would have really like said, "Oh, USA got lucky." Like. No, we had the two best chances of the game, and we didn't capitalize on either one. Yeah, Mexico had more of the ball. You know, they, they edged us in shots and stuff. But when you look at the game overall, our defensive uh, compactness, our organization, our just ability to fight and battle and duel and win our challenges, Mexico couldn't break us down. I mean, they looked they looked toothless against us. Right. Yeah, so but I was they, really they I was really yeah. pleased with that. I was really impressed with with our defensive um, performance in that game, and um, you know, the like you said earlier, that was a massive point that ends up being that difference um, to put us to keep us really in third instead yeah, of having yeah. to be the fourth spot. Yeah, you you know that basically if you get a point in Mexico, then you go home and get three against Panama, which we do. Um, that essentially qualifies you for the World Cup. Very well could have had Costa Rica not gone for the nine-point window. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it was, it was 100% um, right call from Berhalter to go with the lineup he did. He made, you know, at the end of the game, I think it was a little bit of holding on, made some defensive yeah. substitutions. And yeah, he put Eric Long did, in. Did, yeah, did what you needed to do. Eric Palmer Brown, master class, like he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eric Palmer Brown, who hadn't, played one minute of World Cup qualifying for the U.S., comes into the Estadio Azteca and had a pretty darn good performance. Yeah. Uh, kind of a wing-back position yeah. um, when we went to that kind of five-back lineup. Yeah. For, you know, last 10 minutes. Just lock it down, yeah. 
Yeah, so, what yeah, you need to do. Uh, you love that, right? You throw in a young guy, say, "All right, throw you into the fire in the in the Azteca, sink or swim." And he he swam, he swam well. So, no doubt, no doubt. But, I mean, uh, a couple of big big things from that game, though, too. Right, we had a lot of guys on yellow yellow cards, and so yep. both Yedlin and Tim Wea picked up yellow cards, meaning that they could not play in Panama. Yeah. Or, play against Panama uh, in, right. in, uh, in Orlando. Right. Yeah, that was that was a bit frustrating. But Adams was the other one that dodged yellow card accumulation, yes. which was yeah. very um, savvy of him. Yes. And the, the, the other very savvy of Adams, um, the story, I think, storyline too, coming into this camp was, man, uh, Berhalter, you brought in uh, Yedlin. Well, so Dest gets injured. We didn't even mention, you know, so McKinney's injured, Dest is injured. Aronson's injured. Yep. Turner's injured. So that's four potential starters right there, right? Right. Right. Um, so Greg's having to kind of go to, okay, how are we going to maneuver this? So you bring in, at the right back, you bring in Yedlin and Cannon. And then at left back, you have Robinson. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think those were the, on the initial roster, those are the only three outside backs we had. Cannon goes on to get COVID yeah. in Mexico. So Yedlin. Is the only right back we have. He gets a yellow, so we're, you know, we're thinking, okay, what, what's the, what's the uh, decision going to be made here? And obviously, post game Mexico, Berhalter lets us know, all know that Shaq Moore has been called in and is flying into Orlando immediately. But uh, I, I still think that um, the U.S. should have never put themselves in that sort of a situation. I, for some reason, Berhalter really likes the, the these roster sizes didn't have to be limited to the the low number he was bringing in. So I still don't understand why he was doing that because he put himself in it. Again, it all worked out and it's okay. <laughs> now I can say that, but had it gone wrong, had it gone really bad. I mean, that could have been a, just an abysmal, abysmal decision by Burhalter not bringing in more depth in those positions. Totally right. I, I don't understand it. I bring in, bring in Shaq Moore, bring in, you know, even on the left side, right? Bring in George Bello or Sam Vines, like left-footed left-backs too. Like, I don't understand what the problem is to bring guys in. Especially with the situation like COVID stuff. And side note on Reggie Cannon, who picked up COVID. Poor guy had to quarantine in Mexico while the team had to fly, home, fly home. So, uh, brutal. Brutal for him. Sorry, Reg. You got COVID. You're in uh, isolation, and uh, by the way, uh, the team's flying home, but you're staying in Mexico to continue finish out your isolation period. Yeah, just, <laughs> Poor, just brutal. Poor guy, but yeah. So Shaq Moore, get get your butt on a plane and get over to to Orlando, stat. Like stat. you're starting, and not only like you know <laughs> join the group, but hey, you're you're in the lineup, bro. We have yeah. no we have no other right backs, so you're flying over and you're in. Right, <laughs> you crazy. Are, you are the guy. Crazy. And but what did, is he, our big? What is our biggest game? I know. That we are having. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. Going back to like the preparation and the organization of of Craig and the staff. Like, okay, is there something we don't know? Like, why is there issues with bringing in extra players? Like, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. But yeah. anyways. We we could have always done with you know Kellen Acosta at the right back in a pinch or even or Tyler, like Tyler Adams, Adams or something <laughs> like that right, but uh, I just yeah found it kind of just like scratching my head like yeah we're going into the biggest game of qualification cycle and we're flying in Shaq Moore and he's just put straight in the lineup it's just kind of like what is this what is what is this club soccer or something like we got a tournament coming up 
Yeah, and I know you missed <laughs> practice, but we need you, man. Like, I don't understand it. Anyways, yeah. should we transition to the Panama game? Please, please do. Yeah, basically at this point we know if, you know, well, so we, we're, we're watching the El Salvador-Costa Rica game, hoping, come on, El Salvador, pull it out. They don't. Costa Rica gets They were close. One. Yeah, they, they were, were close. They were they were hanging tough with Costa Rica for most of the game. I think the yes, goal came in like were. the middle, late second half, Stop. if I'm not mistaken. But their second goal in stoppage time of the first half, um, Costa Rica did. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, unfortunately, I mean, El Salvador, it, it's, it's weird, right? You look at these different games in the cycle. We, so we, we play El Salvador on the road. First game, hostile environment, 40,000 packed, super loud. Costa Rica is playing them there. Second to last game of the cycle. Stadium is virtually empty. I mean, it's probably <laughs> ha- half full. Yeah. Much, you know, much less intimidating. Now, granted, they're playing in the middle of the day, but it's a different situation, right? And totally. When you, when you play teams in different points in the cycle, you get to this last window, and teams are already eliminated or not. Um, you know, El Salvador was still giving it their best, but Costa Rica, I think, had did have a bit of an advantage in that scenario there. Yeah, yeah. But hey, um, okay, yeah. So jumping into this Panama game, right? We know that hey, we beat Panama, they're done. Panama can't advance to the World Cup, and then yep. it's just between us and Costa Rica for the Correct. the third spot, and uh, and then the fourth place goes for the um, for the playoff, right? right. So, um, and we know, hey, let's let's uh, run up the gold diff so that we can run it and, and that we did right by a scoreline of five to one, and absolutely critical it was too. Yeah, I mean, as we. <laughs> end up seeing in the Costa Rica game, I mean, we, we gave ourselves enough cushion where it never really got too, too worrisome down in Costa Rica. Right, right. So, but what I really loved about this Panama match in Orlando, Danny, was this was one of the few times, maybe the only time that, no, probably the second time, because I think they did it in, um, in Minnesota against Honduras where they came out hot. Our boys came out flying. Right mm. and and mm. set the tone right away, and uh, you know we we got goals early and often in this game, right? Yeah. So Pulisic, seventeenth minute with a pen, <laughs> interesting one, right? With the VAR coming into the yeah, and uh, I mean, absolutely the right calls. I don't know what Anibal Godoy was thinking. Um, I believe shoving his own teammate Walker Zimmerman or basically punching him in the face in the in the box yeah like multiple um, times two, two hands to his throat yeah um, so not a not a good decision from the uh panamanian defender or yeah. midfielder there but so. uh, yeah thankful for the u.s's perspective right so pulls a buries a pen well done and then uh paul Ariola gets a, the second goal man you know i, I he, you looking at looking at Ariola, i mean i think he has done pretty much everything the U.S. has asked him to during this qualifying run. And what a massive moment to come up with. Probably one of the best goals he'll ever score for the U.S. Uh, an incredible header. Fantastic header. I mean, the ability for him. I mean, he's, he's shorter than me, man. He's only like 5'6 or something. <laughs> like, wow. And he got up there and just full-on extension with the header. Great goal. Right. Came off a Jedi's cross, no? Yep, yeah. Anthony Robinson put that one into the Nixa, and, and uh, shortly after that, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, up another Ariola. Yeah, 
a good little combination play there, right? Musa had on the right side played Luca De La Torre, and De La Torre then slips it through. Was it Shaq Moore over there who I think put a put one into Ariola, whose kind of shot was blocked, fell right to Jesus, who you know <laughs> basically could do nothing but put it in the back of that. I mean, if you miss that, then yeah, and that was an easier goal to score than a penalty kick for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. So definitely. And then Pooley gets another pen uh, in the forty fifth plus stoppage time, yep. right? So, yeah, right, right, right near the end of that. And half it's there. Godoy again for Panama, who's getting very handsy, very touchy this game, yep. and uh, kind of an awkward bounce. But he definitely claws Miles Robinson right in the face in the box, and uh, yeah, another pen. Referee wasn't messing around with that stuff. So it's, it's kind of funny seeing, uh, you know, Godoy plead his case so much. He's just like. <laughs> Watching it on instant replay and slow mo, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, man, you you had your hands all over him twice yep. against Walker and then against Miles. Like, yeah, I don't know, you don't have any ground to stand on. Sorry, man. Yeah. Uh... So then, right before the end of the half, right after Pulu scores that goal, then um, moments later, you know, they're getting a bit of a shoving match right in front of the U.S. men's national team bench, and you see a different side of Pulu that we don't see too often, and. uh Usually he's just Mr. Calm out there, not getting too heated. You see, you, you know, for club and country, he's always been, he's never been the, the instigator. And this time he is getting into it with some of the Panamanian players. And I think that that was something that I think maybe because we're not used to seeing it and he was wearing the captain's armband, um, was fun to see that side of him. Well, he's a competitor. And even though he's kind of, he's a little bit like Landon Donovan esque in terms of, you know, kind of quiet, reserved, not like, you know, uh, a high talker or anything, right? Um, but, yeah, he, he got into it there uh, in that scrape. And, you know, Luca Dillatore is in the mix too. And, you know, you know, teams coming together and hot-headed. I mean, World Cup's play, you know, spots on the line. So, I get it. But yeah. he kept his head. And then, hey, man, in second half, he got his hat trick. And what a goal that was. The third. Brilliant. I mean, unbelievable. First touch. Some are saying it's lucky. Some are saying it's he meant to do it. Touched it, kind of turned he, it he around. Claim, he claims it was exactly what he wanted. To do. <laughs> of course he is. Which, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would do the same. Oh yeah, yeah, I meant to do that touch. But yeah. uh, it looked a little awkward. But it's all right. It, he like kind of turned around with it and then magged the Panama center back and mm-hmm. then just cool and calm slotted it, opened up his hip and just beautiful kissed it in. I mean, a beautiful game right there. Captain America, thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, if the game wasn't already over at that point, that made it 5 0. Um, yeah. Panama pulled one back late. Godoy, Godoy pulled one back late yeah, to, to not make quite, up for. Yeah. Not quite enough to make up for his earlier yeah, blunders, yeah. I think. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at the stats here just and reflecting on that game. Panama had 61% of the possession, according to these stats. Yeah. Well, that was a interesting. Just like. One, right? The U.S. was – I mean, once once the U.S. got its goals, it was – the team was kind of fine with letting Panama play with it because they knew that, hey, Panama's yeah. going to have to come at us and we're, we're going to catch them out and go at them. Sure. Um, and so I think that played to the U.S.'s advantage that they were fine with giving Panama the ball a little bit and then going at them quickly on the counterattack. Yeah. Um, which has just... shown over and over again, I think, to be one of the U.S.'s biggest strengths is that counterattack. Yeah, the U.S. can definitely build, but that hasn't been our greatest strength during this qualifying campaign. 
You yeah. see it again. We can't. We really struggle at taking out the low block, like you know, Canada, for instance. Correct. We, we do not. We we struggle breaking them down. So in this instance, it actually worked out better. I think that Panama was playing the way they did. Yep. Well, and looking ahead to you know when we face England and when we face Iran and either Wales or Ukraine or Scotland. As an underdog, maybe the U.S. can bunker and counter a little bit more and utilize the Tim Weahs, the Pulisics, the the Reinas, the you know the McKennies, the counterattackers, and whoever yeah. our nine is, right? <laughs> Whether it's Jesus, Pepe, Pfock, you know, Sergeant, someone we haven't even heard of, someone yet. we haven't even heard of, maybe. <laughs> I mean, or someone we have heard of, Josie. No, I don't know. Um, so, but looking at this Panama lineup. Just to read it off real quick, Stefan was in goal again. Yeah. Shaq Moore, like we were talking about, pencil, you know, penned in to, mm-hmm, to the starting mm-hmm. right back spot. Yep. Still Walker and Miles center backs and Jedi left back again. No surprises there. Adams at the six, Musa, and then De La Torre. Luca De La Torre gets the gets the nod. And he goes a full ninety and he does great. He has like a quiet, solid performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paul Ariola, right, because Tim Way is out for card suspension and then Pulisic on the left. And then Jesus Ferreira got the nod as our nine instead of Pepe, who was in the uh, Azteca, right? And Jesus didn't play in the Azteca, so he got uh, the full 90 um, well, against that Panama. Was, I think that was part of the plan that Berhalter had going in. He, he knew in the Azteca he's going to play Pepe, hoping that Pepe can, you know, get back on track. Didn't have a great game down there. Had a couple of good moments, and then you know he used Peacock as a sub, so he has Jesus completely fresh to go against Panama and kind of playing that nine false nine role that he does mm. um, for the U.S. when he's in there. Um, not quite the Man City false nine that we're used to seeing, maybe in Champions <laughs> League play or others. Yeah, but... we're we're never gonna have that. But <laughs> no, no. But yeah, I think you know Jesus got his goal. Um, He's been playing well for the U.S. He's been playing well for club now. It'll be interesting to see, you know, as we go over these next seven months. I know, you know, it's been one of our biggest question marks throughout this whole qualifying process is we we don't have a solidified starting number nine. We don't have a Kareem Benzema. We don't have, let's say, a Cristiano Ronaldo, whoever sits in that nine spot for for different countries. Lewandowski, Erling Holland. Right. Yeah. yeah, you, you know, we, we – we wish we did. We don't have a Brian yeah. McBride. We don't have our marquee guy up top, right? Who would right. go in and, and bang in goals for us on a consistent basis. And that's a, still a concern. Jesus has um, done a good job in these last, you know, few windows for us. But is he going to be the guy come Qatar? I don't know. That's still a question mark for me. Yep. And, you know, we still got plenty of time to kind of figure it out as we go over the next six months. But, uh, yeah, I, I wish that we had, uh, after this qualifying cycle, been able to really say, oh, yeah, we have a locked-in number nine now, which we don't. Yeah. So, you but, know, another uh, position that's maybe not as locked in as we thought it might be after this window is um, Zach Blunder-Steffen. You want to comment on his, his uh, performances, um, <sighs> maybe a couple of his mistakes in this game? He's- just overall, the guy just doesn't look confident. You know, even like in in multiple aspects, building, you know, ball at his feet, even ball in his hands, uh, and and just balls in the air that are coming through the box. 
um, that he should be able to, yeah, Zach, you should time that, catch that at the top of your jump, and he just makes a meal of it for, and just, I, I just don't understand. He's lost confidence or something, maybe coming coming back off injury or whatever has knocked him a little bit in terms of his confidence and his abilities, but yeah, really frustrating and uh, really nervy back there. No, it does not inspire confidence. Um, does not give me the fa- feeling that we are really secure back there. I mean, he's supposed to be really good with his feet. I couldn't tell you since when we played at home, the home Mexico game, he, I thought he had a very good game, um, made some great saves and actually was very good with his feet, made some good penetrating passes. Since then, I haven't seen it from him. And he's been shaky with his feet, um, hasn't been making good passes, putting his defenders in really bad spots, playing balls to them um, that lead to chances coming right back at us. And then, yeah, he's going out for crosses, dropping balls that are, well, we see in the Costa Rica game, ultimately result the goals against us. Um, so I think Berhalter has to look at the film from this window and say, Okay, maybe I maybe I need to rethink this because I know Stefan's been my number one guy. You know, you, you see that when when both he and Turner have, have both been healthy, he's gone with Stefan. Um, and now, not saying Turner's perfect either, but these next six seven months are going to be crucial for both of them because how you got Turner going mid year here, uh, going to be joining Arsenal, yeah. right? And in theory, going to be their number two. So, are we going to have Stefan as the number two at City and Turner at the, as the number two at Arsenal? Neither of our goalkeepers are going to be playing regularly going into the World Cup. That is not good. Not good at all. And that those mistakes that Stefan was making, they look like lack of games is Absolutely. probably the reason. Right? Those decision-making in games, like should I come out for this cross or should I stay home? You know, that kind of stuff. Those decisions you can only get by getting more games not replicated in, in goalkeeper training sessions and stuff, or even full training sessions. You know, it's you got to play games to be able to, to improve in those decision-making. And now, like you're saying, both Turner and Stefan are top two guys who have been battling injuries, and now they're going to go both be the number twos, backup keepers in the Prem. And as we approach World Cup, where neither of them are getting games, that's scary, right? Um, you know, to be honest, after this performance against Panama, I thought in the in the third game in the window when we go down to San Jose, Costa Rica, I thought, let's give Ethan Horvath a chance. Let's put him back in there. The guy's been playing decent for, for club, for Nottingham Forest. And, um, you know, Stefan's been dropping the ball, literally. <laughs> so let's give Horvath, a, you know, a go. And yeah, it's a plus six goal differential, but you know, Horvath is not going to be at fault if six goals go in. Ultimately, if I mean, you could put you or me in goal, <laughs> and uh, you know, we could do a decent enough job to not concede six. Right? It's ultimately uh, up I, to the up to the team, right? Yeah. But like, but Greg went with Zach Steffen again, so I think it's it's a frustrating thing for me because for whatever reason. Zach is Greg's guy, he, and he, he can can do can do no wrong. It would seem. It, it, it'll be interesting, right? Because the apparently the U.S. has this um, kind of leadership, like captains group or squad. Christian Tyler leadership Weston, group, yeah. leadership group. Thank you. Yeah. 
um, that meets with Burhalter on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Stefan's a part of that group or not. But, Jackson um, Yule is. Jackson Yule, that makes sense. <laughs> a lot of sense. Um, He's the director. Yeah. He's the chairman. Him and probably Sebastian Legette. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, it'd be interesting to hear, you know, if, you know, say guys like Chris, you know, leaders on the team are thinking, okay, Greg, hey, we're seeing, we're, we're a little bit concerned about the play of our goalkeeper here, supposedly our number one. You wonder how much of a voice they have and maybe some of those decisions. I mean, ultimately it's a coach's decision to who to put in goal, but a lot of times captains can have an influence too in terms of what guys are playing and what guys aren't just based on chemistry out there too. Yeah. Well, no, it's important to have a leadership group and, and that kind of stuff, but I just question how much, you know, that really influences Berhalter or not, because it seems to me from an outsider that he's made up his mind. Zach Steffen's the guy can do no wrong. And, uh, we go from there. So makes me a little nervy for who's going to be our, our number one keeper. But, yeah. um, I hope it's, I hope it's Turner, you know, I'm a big Matt Turner guy. I think he does the thing that's most important, make saves, keep the ball of the net. And yeah, his feet maybe aren't as good. I think I've said this before, but, uh, Tim Howard, not that great with his feet. Sorry, Tim, but that guy's <laughs> kept the ball of the net. Better than anyone else, so yeah. Um, I think that's the most important, you know. But so um, we win, the, we win the Panama game five one, right? So that gives us a massive goal differential going into Costa Rica. And the only thing we cannot do is lose if we lose by six or more goals. If we lose, we could even go in there and lose five zero, and still qualify for the World Cup. But uh, automatically, so kind of cre- yeah. automatically, yes. Yeah. And kind of so, it kind of created a little bit of a weird scenario, and and then Costa Rica, on the other hand, they they know this, um, and they're thinking, okay, well, it's gonna be tough to make up six goals. That's very rare occurrences that ever happen. And Costa Rica had nine players sitting on yellow cards, and those yellow cards, right, they carry over into the intercontinental playoff, which basically Costa Rica knew that they were going to be in. So they they basically sit all of those guys who are on yellow cards, except for maybe one or two. And put out a bunch of their younger guys who um, haven't were not their maybe marquee players, and uh, so that kind of created a little bit of a weird scenario. U.S. going in there, U.S. throws out more or less its best lineup um, against Costa Rica, um, and knows that okay, we want to go for this and go for the win, but at the same time, play a smart, solid, tactical game that's going to ensure we don't lose six zero. Yeah, definitely an odd. Uh odd game to finish this out because you know we got if we don't lose 6-0 <laughs> we're going and Costa Rica's like alright we got 9 guys on yellow cards we're going to rest our guys so basically Costa Rica's in the mindset of alright USA congrats on auto, auto qualifying in the third spot or second or whatever you know we'll take our chances against New Zealand or whoever the playoff is going to be um, we're going to rest our guys and play this game with basically our B team, Costa Rica saying. So just, you know, approaching this game, just a weird situation, right? Uncommon situation. But this this happens at the end of a qualifying cycle. Right. right? But yeah, I, I was looking at this game going, okay, with those factors being mentioned, Costa Rica B team, we're putting out our A team, Stefan and Goal, Jedi, Miles, Zim, Yedlin. Adams, Acosta, Musa, Pulisic, Wea, Pepe. That was our probably our best eleven remaining. 
Um, I'm going, okay, RA team against Costa Rica's B team. Maybe this will be the first time we'll grab three points down in Jose, Costa Rica. No, sir. And, uh, no, no sir. chance. <laughs> the, uh, well, well, the negative, the losing streak continues down there, right? <laughs> the best ever goalkeeper in goal for Costa Rica, Keylor Navas. Yep. What, I mean, just he, he just showed off his absolute class in this game, right? Yeah. Making save after save, really good saves. Yeah. Um, he had one on Pepe, another one on Miles Robinson in the first half that he kept out. Um, and I want to say one other pretty key save in the first half. And then in the second half, he makes a couple of key saves right off the bat to keep the game at 0-0 before Costa Rica goes up, right? So and then on the, on the other hand, you have Zach Steppen for us, unfortunately, not doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, complete night and day opposites of goalkeeping, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so again, I, this game, I look at it, I'm like, okay, we lost 2-0 ultimately qualify for the World Cup, but also I look at the performance and say, hey, it wasn't like we just played terrible. We, we actually created some pretty good chances, and yeah. had we put a couple of those away, I mean, you know, it's always a, you know, we wish we could have done this or that, but had we actually, you know, been a little bit more clinical in front of goal um, and had Costa Rica not had the best goalkeeper maybe in the world over there, um, the, game, the result could have gone differently. Yeah, and I had a feeling going into this game, like, you know what? Yeah, it's their B team, a lot of young guys and giving chances and stuff, but that's always super dangerous to go against because mm-hmm. those guys play with a chip, chip on their shoulder and have something to prove, something to play for, right? And they're trying to move, increase their stock, right? And, Absolutely. And really move yeah. into maybe more of a getting more minutes and more playing time and, and trying to push the starters out of their spots. So this is like a recipe for disaster for the U.S., right? Um and it, right. it turned out to to go to a two nil result, Costa Rica, and um, yeah, I, it was it was weird afterwards knowing that yes we qualified, but the sourness of of doing it with a two zero loss was I couldn't help it. And like it, yeah, watching Pulisic, watching Pulisic, so you know post game interview, and he's just kind of going on about uh, you know I hate to lose. And this this doesn't feel good, but yeah, I'm I'm proud that we qualified. But yeah, I don't. This doesn't feel good right now. I, don't, I hate yeah. those. So yeah, it, yeah, you could tell it was it was hard. I think in the moment for them there, and uh, but then you know they get into the locker room. They're able to, Berhalter is able to talk to them and say, hey, you know, 14 games, and we are in the World Cup. You know, scratch away tonight. You know, put this put put this in the back of your mind because guess what? We're gonna we're going to Qatar. And uh, it's uh, it doesn't necessarily matter when or how you how you do it, but um, the U.S. got the results it needed over the course of 14 games, and so I think it's probably a little bit weird for the guys on the field uh, after the game to not celebrate necessarily. But you know, once you had a chance to get in the locker room, get the champagne flowing, uh, let the good times roll. Yep, and you know, just looking at the standings and the other results of that of that you know final. Day Mexico beat El Salvador two zero, and um, you know so they ended up moving ahead of us in the standings right. to yep. second place. You know Canada took another loss to Panama, but they remained in in first place after having clinched it already. Um, yep. So with the uh, with that four uh, zero result against Jamaica, they they clinched it. So right. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Mexico was able to squeak out a result against Honduras in the second game of the window where when we played Panama, Mexico. I mean, Honduras almost was able to hang on. Yeah. You know, and, and then we might be in second place instead of, instead of third, right? Yeah. Yep. But, it, it, look, it, no one ran away with it, really. Even, you know, Canada, yeah. I mean, they, they did enough to, to be on top. And only by gold. Only by gold. Only by gold. If yep. So twenty eight points only, for them. Mexico yeah. twenty eight points as well. But their gold if was nine. Canada's was sixteen. Yep. And uh, and then us in Costa Rica on twenty five points. We had eleven gold if and and Costa Rica had five. So Panama missed out twenty one points. Jamaica eleven. Salvador ten. Honduras four. Poor Honduras. But, yeah, it's a, a rough uh, qualifying cycle for the Honduras. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. You, you look at it, and you, you you think back and say, "Hey, we we've qualified for this World Cup. We qualified, but the, the United States is the the youngest qualifying team of any team that's qualified for the World Cup here in this in this go around, right? Average age of approximately twenty four years old of guys that play in games." We're throwing out there a bunch of guys who are essentially high school seniors, freshmen in college, that, that age of guys, 18, 19-year-olds, into World Cup qualifying. We're throwing them into the lion's den. They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Yep. And here they are going and getting the job done. Can you just imagine with four more years of experience after this, and I know we're focused on Qatar, but, hey, this has got to bode well for the U.S. I mean, the next closest, I was looking at the teams that qualified, the next closest is a, like well over 26, like 26 and a half years old uh, for teams that are qualifying for the World Cup. That's not, it's not just CONCACAF. That is every team that's qualified for the World Cup this year. So we're going to be the youngest team at the World Cup. Um, and a lot of times, hey, you know, World Cups can – tournament play can be a young man's game, and you need those fresh legs. And, yeah, we might be less experienced and not have a lot of veterans who have played in the World Cup. I think Yedlin – if he does make the World Cup roster, might he's be the, the only one. one. Only be the only right? one. Unless John, John Brooks, Brooks he gets yeah. back on. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I think there's something to be said about how. Again, I, I know this is something that the U.S. published every single time they went through the qualifying, the starting lineup age, average age, and just how much of a that 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 is important because hey, we are younger than everyone, and we are still qualifying, and we're going to come and beat you in, in Qatar. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you no, you can play with the young guns and they come out fearless and they don't know any better or any different because they've never done it before. So, you know, there is some some strength or you, you can argue that there's strength in that, right? Um, and then tying in with what I was talking about earlier about being the underdog, right? That ties in with it. The underdog, so they're young. They're, you know, average age 23. They've never been to a World Cup, that kind of stuff, right? So that can bode well for the American uh, U.S. men's national team spirit. And historically, you know, like, I, like I've said with um, previous World Cup and, uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, man. Um, do you want to quickly touch on the, uh, the draw? Yeah, the draw. Maybe before we get to that real quick, just touch on games. Again, everyone's going to have injuries. Uh, you know, every country is having guys who are missing. You know, this has been deemed our quote-unquote golden generation of players you know, it's. I think yes, we can say that yet. Yeah, this is to this point our golden generation, but also 
this is the golden generation and they're still only 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. So they're, they're not in their prime yet either. Or Belgium has had or has been in their golden generation. Maybe this is their last cycle of their golden generation. They're yeah. on the very tail end of that. We are just at the start of this golden generation. So I think that's something to be excited about. Definitely. And just look at look at number of missed games from guys in this qualifying cycle. Giovanni Reina missed 10 games. Weston McKinney missed seven games. Wow. Serginho Dest missed six games. Christian Pulisic missed four games. Tim Weah missed five games. Musa, three. Aronson, three. Uh, Adams and Jedi both missed the game. So uh, you just look at how many quality starting players there. And I didn't even mention the goalkeepers there either due to Stefan and, and Turner both missing multiple right. games via injury. Right. Um, how many of our best, best players are missing games. But thankfully, we had enough depth to get us through and qualify. Yep. But again, that just shows that, hey, we, we had a lot of hardships come our way via whether it was COVID or injuries along the way here. And we were still able to overcome that and qualify. Yeah, that's a great point. Those are good stats that you just pulled up with players missing. I mean, we really felt – I mean, could you imagine if Gio Reyna played, was able to not have to miss 10 games? <laughs> right? Yeah, and we basically missed him the entire time in yeah. this last window, right? You know, I mean, Weston, we could have used Weston in, in this last window for sure. He almost I mean, Serginho Dest. I mean, we had to call Jack Moore in. On on a last minute plane ride, I mean, yeah, definitely missing some big time players. Um, so yeah, for for our guys um, to step in and and cover for them with the depth that we had was was fantastic. And can we give a shout out to Anthony Robinson going the full two hundred and seventy minutes, just running? This guy's a machine. Down. He's a machine. 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 So who who's gonna be the backup to our machine in Qatar? I don't know, man. That that, that concerns me, and I hope that Burhalter has a plan. Because he, yeah. he didn't give many minutes to anybody else in this World Cup qualifying, which is fine. The only thing yeah. that is qualifying, but who are you going to have now as a backup? I mean, one, hopefully, you know, you, should, you pray and hope that Robinson's healthy and good and in great form, ready to keep going. But if he's not, who do you have to step in there? And that, that's a bit of a concern for me, too. Yeah, that's a glaring um, lack of depth in the depth chart, that left back, left back spot, who's second up. I mean, it's up for grabs, which is, you know, an opportunity for some other guys, the George Bellows, Sam Vines, you know, even like Joe Scally still hasn't gotten a chance. Kevin Paredes, some of these guys, right. Um, I mean, Sergio desk can play on the left. A lot of people argue that, that he can do that and we should, we should do that. But um, yeah, Kellen Acosta, man, he can play. <laughs> he can play the eight. He can play the six. He can play the right and left back. Hey, put him in goal. Right put the gloves Jeez. on Kellen. <laughs> I think, you know, just looking at Kellen Acosta, I, I don't think he does best for us when he's in the eight. I, I feel best when he's in that six yeah. role. Um, so, but I think because he is so versatile, he's probably, you know, he, he's going to, he's a Burhalter favorite. Yeah. And I think rightfully so. I think he's probably got his spot booked to Qatar, yep. assuming he stays healthy. I agree. So let's look, let's do a quick reflection over the course of this qualifying campaign. Okay. Players that kind of rose in their stock, maybe mm-hmm. surprisingly. I mean, we already yeah. knew about the Pulisic, Weston, right. you know, um, Adams, you know, Dest. Like, we knew about these guys already. We, mm-hmm. we knew that these, these are our guys. But, you know, 
I'll start with one. Tim Weah. Yeah. He was kind of, you know, a fringe guy a little or like not a fringe guy, I suppose, but like not a starter. Yeah. You know, we were like, okay, Gio ran on one side, Pulisic on the other. Tim Weah can come off the bench. You know, Reyna gets injured. Weah is playing well. Weah gets his chance. And the guy makes the most of it in this mm-hmm. World Cup qualifying campaign and really forces him into a starting winger position on as at the seven spot. I mean, fantastic campaign from Tim Weah. Yeah, I, I'd echo those thoughts. I think that he has he, i mean throughout much of this qualifying campaign he was our best attacker um and even you know in this in this window he could have very well had an assist or two depending on if guys had finished off a couple of chances for him so um i think he's then become a crucial crucial piece that has to be there in qatar um we want to continue to see him improve at the club level um i think you know he still has a lot of room to, room for growth there but uh, I, very excited about him. I think for me, Walker Zimmerman absolutely um, has a spot in Qatar now. Um, guy, yeah. he, he's, he has been incredible in the center back position. Yeah, his his rise over the course of this qualification cycle was phenomenal. And to be honest, caught me by surprise. You know, I'd always kind of oh, yeah. had Walker as penciled in in the depth chart in the center back. But, um, you know, just – he was never someone that I was like, oh, yeah, he's a starter. He's a starter. Um, for whatever reason, I just felt that, you know, other guys were ahead of him, whether it was obviously John Brooks or, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at my old depth chart from months ago, and I still had John Brooks, Aaron Long, you know, Matt Miazga, Mark, <laughs> Mark McKenzie. You know, this was from a while ago. I mean, right. Tim, Re- Tim Ream was even in there, right? He was starting games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chris Richards, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, Walker Zimmerman. Walker is playing with total confidence and scored you know scores some goal goals goal. I think the one the one, the one against Honduras. Uh, Honduras where he did the axe chop celebration, which yeah, is my yeah. new favorite. Che Che, yes. <laughs> my, yes, my new favorite celebration. And then, uh, but yeah, man, for him to really kind of just rise above some of those other guys, and for whatever reason, John Brooks isn't called in. Aaron Long's on. You know, injury, Matt Miazga's not called in, Chris Richards gets injured, Mark McKenzie falls off. So Walker steps in and him and Miles lock it down. And mm-hmm. we were very sturdy with that center back partnership for, oh, yeah. I would say, the majority of the qualification cycle. Yeah, I mean, the only game that I think we didn't win when they were starting was this last game against Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, but besides that, every other game that they started and played together, we won. Um, yeah, Zimmerman, I think, is just – he's so dominant in the air, by far our most dominant center back in the air. Um, his passing is getting better, still not where I think we'd like it to be, but I think his ability to command uh, – just have that command out there, the leadership that he provides, I think. I mean, he, he's, he was wearing the captain armband in one of the games during – Yeah. Uh, I forget which game it was, but um, I think you can clearly see that he has gained the trust of all of his teammates, and he is going to be – a key key piece for us going forward here all the way through into Qatar. So looking forward to seeing him in terms of other guys. Um, gosh, you know, I think maybe in terms of guys who, I guess Luca De La Torre, I think would be maybe my other one. Yep. Um, that was the one I was going to say too. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and, and he's an interesting one because he, 
he got to start in the Honduras game at home and then the Panama game at home in games where I think Greg knew that he could be very effective. We were going to have a lot of the ball, um, or at least we were going to be on a, in a good he, – he was going to be in position, positions where he was going to be set up for success. Didn't really – and he played in the Costa Rica game on the road in the second half, but was never really in um, situations where it was just the ball was – everything was going completely against us. Even in the Costa Rica game, right, we had a lot of the ball. He, he was on the ball a lot. So it'd be interesting to see how he would have done in diff- – more challenging situations, but I think that he his stock undoubtedly had to have risen in Greg's eyes. Yeah, uh, could totally echo what you're saying. Anyone else stand out to you over the qualification cycle? I mean, Brendan Aronson started off hot and then unfortunately picked up an injury as we headed into this last window, but he, he gave us some quality um, in, in the beginning half of the cycle, if I remember correctly. He did, yeah. Um, so he he was he was especially with Gio not being able to play. You know, Aronson, Aronson and Moya really stepped up for us, and they, uh, they were both key. Yeah. So, um, you know, Pepe Pepe had a you know a couple good games throughout the qualification cycle, but he's still so young and inexperienced, and uh, a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and you know he's he. He's waiting to find that uh, find the net again. It hasn't he's happened a, yet. He's in a rough bit of form. Yeah, rough bit of form. Yeah. So just yeah, I mean, as a forward, you want to be scoring. He hasn't scored since October, and yep. uh, what are we in April? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he can find some form because we're going to need him or somebody to step up. And uh, I'd love to. I mean, I feel like he can be the guy, but at the same time, if you're not scoring, I, I, I'm not sure you're going to find yourself on the field. How about real quick, any guys? throughout the qualification campaign that really you felt dropped in their stock? Well, I mean, I think you, you have to say the jet. I mean, he was one of the potential starters Yeah, or he was yeah. a starter at one point, very yeah. varying games for the U S at yeah, home versus he, Canada on the road versus Panama. Right. And uh, yeah. he, he no longer finds himself even on the rosters anymore. Yeah. There's one. I mean, Zach Steffen's one for me. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and little bit of recency bias because of the last window we just had but yeah yeah i mean it, it was it was poor enough to really be able to say that firmly that yeah his stock has decreased of late so yeah um, i can't i can't argue that yeah um, other than that i mean i don't know if anyone's stock significantly dropped for me um i was hoping to maybe see a little bit more out of jordan morris when he uh came into games he never really did that much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's still coming off of his ACL injury. So he's coming back from that. Hopefully over maybe that he has a breakout MLS season again, and he can get back into fine form for the Sounders and hit his stride. But, yeah. you know, trying to figure out, okay, where would he maybe figure into the Qatar, you know, 23 man roster. I, I, I'm not sure where he might fit in. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Then the other one real quick that kind of fell off little bit was mark mckenzie Mm, you know he had a good he had a good summer last year with you know the nations league win i mean stuff like that and he was he was in the mix starting some games and meaningful games right concrete cap nations league games stuff like that but um yeah i mean he's just really moved down in the depth chart at center back and rightly so walker and miles are ahead of him and have been playing ahead of him and you know um I don't think he's a terrible option, but he's definitely 
um, stock has, has gone down, but yeah, uh, I think these are critical next seven months for like all these guys, right? Like, yeah. You know, you figure you're going to take four center backs more mm-hmm. than likely four to five center backs. Um, so for all the center back, every position guys have got to be performing at the club level and one then performing, but two staying healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean, those have got to be the two most important things that you look at uh, for any, any players longevity in their club career. So um, you hope that McKenzie gets back into form along with all the other guys who are fighting for spots and those kind of those fringe players. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be tough. I mean, look, we got a, we got a phenomenal core, right? Phenomenal core guys that, you know, 15, 15 guys strong, really realistically. Right. Yeah. I mean, the locks, the locks, I'll just rattle them off. Correct me if I'm wrong with these, but Pulisic, Reyna, Weston, Adams, Jackson Ewell, no, uh, <laughs> Anthony Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, Serginio Dest, uh, Tim Weah, Brandon Aronson. How many is that? What am I at? Like seven, eight? More than that. I should More have been counting. Zach <laughs> and Matt Turner. So I mean, yeah, th- that core right there, and I haven't, I haven't listed any nines, but you didn't, you didn't mention you know, Moose, you didn't mention Musa, no, yeah, Musa, yeah, Musa and Acosta. There's two more, right? So, but then you know, you got a couple nines, whether they're, I wouldn't say they're locks because it's still such a rotating <laughs> position that we don't really know. We got to bring the guys who are in form, but Jesus, Daryl DK, oh Jesus, oh okay. <laughs> is this Ferreira or you know um, Pepe maybe Sargent can have another say at it. Zardes I don't know. but uh, I mean you look at the core and that's an exciting group if they're all healthy if they're all ready to go we, we can do some things so. absolutely well, and I, I think that again qualifying is always going to be hard whether you're in CONCACAF Asia, Europe, South America, wherever it is. And it's maybe harder in different places than others. And that's certainly it can be up for debate. But the U.S. got it done. They qualified. And, you know, I guess I, I asked you this. Um, what, how would you rate Greg Berhalter and the job that he's done? I mean, you know, at times people are calling for his job. But ultimately he got the job done. And I guess the minimum of the job done and qualified the U.S. for the World Cup. How would you rate him, you know, at this point? Yeah, job done. I would say probably give him a B, B rating, um, B plus, B minus, no B, flat B, right? Like he did the most important job. He got us there, and Concacaf qualification is not as easy. But granted, having watched some of these other qualifications, you know, the Africa qualification and Asia, like Europe, obviously, Commonwealth. CONCACAF is not as hard as some of these other ones. So, <laughs> you know, take that into consideration. I mean, when we watch the Senegal-Egypt match, and winner gets to go to the World Cup, and it's in Senegal, and the PK shootout, and Mo Salah steps up, and he's got all these green lasers all over his eyes from the fans. I mean, we, we thought CONCACAF, we thought El Salvador was hard to play in. I mean... Give me a break. That's not even close to what the level of difficulty would be to play in, you know, in in Africa in that situation, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So, but yeah, Greg. I mean, look, he did the job. Uh, some of his decisions uh, are definitely questionable, 
there are some times when I'm scratching my head and feeling frustration. But, you know, I think I've said it in the past on, on one of the previous podcasts, but the guys love playing for Greg. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mm-hmm. really got the team culture, the team buy-in. You know, I like the way he speaks most of the time. I like the way that he addresses the team and talks about, you know, his team style and, and what our process is and what we're trying to accomplish and how we're trying to accomplish it. So, you know, I, I, I tip, tip my hat off to him for getting it done. Uh, and yeah, give him a B rating. So how about you? I, I think that's fair. I, I would say anywhere in the other B, the B range, I, I, B minus or B, I think would be, would be fair at this point. Um, yeah. I, you look at, the next seven months and you say, okay, Greg, go to work, get this team ready to go. You got, you got two friendlies and you got two CONCACAF nation league games in June. Let's, let's make it happen. Get that. He's, he's already said in, in interviews that he's going to bring his full lineup in and get the guys ready to go. Cause you only have that window. And then you have the September international window um, in the break from a club season. And besides that, that's the only, and then after that, the guys are showing up seven days before the first game in Qatar. Yeah. Right. USA's playing on the first day. Yeah. So you don't you don't have that wiggle room of, hey, we're playing on the fourth day, you know, of, no. of games that we have a little bit more time. We, we're, we've got one week with the guys once you get to Qatar. No, so we have to we have to Greg has to utilize these opportunities to get the core playing together as yes. much as possible for repetitions. Yep. Right. We cannot be doing any more experiments, fringe players. This is about getting our best 11 on the field and bringing in four to six guys off the bench if we can who are our top 16 to 18 players. Yeah. Right. We're, so not, you, you we're know, not messing around anymore with any fringe guys. We're not, we're not being cute with yeah. any, you know, oh, this guy's a bubble guy. Let's give him a chance, see how he does. Like, no, we know after this qualification cycle – I would say the majority of our of our top guys, and so get them as many minutes together as possible. Yeah, I, I think at this point it's like yeah, there's maybe some other guys who who could do okay, but hey, sorry, and, you know, unless you are just out of this world blistering, you know, tearing up a league, um, we've got our core guys. Let's get those guys together, and we 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 don't. Have, you're right, we don't have the ability to. Uh, to mess around anymore. Um, I, I do like the, our prospects of going to a neutral site in Qatar and playing on absolutely pristine, perfect fields um, in incredible stadiums. Uh, and I, I like our guys' chances. I, I, I think I put up our, our guys against anybody, whether it's right, – we're talking about so – let's get maybe the World Cup draw here. We got England, Iran, and you mentioned Wales or Scotland and, or Ukraine. Um, I think any of those – Three like, through those Wales, Scotland, Ukraine, any of those teams could be tough. Um, and you, you, you think of those, that group play, that's going to be tough to get out of. Uh, Iran, I was learning today that they have a forward who uh, has 14 goals for, for Porto, uh, and 12 assists. And so, uh, you know, they must be nice. Must yeah, be nice. They'd they like got, to have a nine that's doing that. Yeah, so they've got some incredible <laughs> attacking players. I don't know too much else besides that. We'll go into a deeper dive on them at some point. But obviously, we all know England's an incredibly talented team. Um, but yep. I, I think I put up our guys against anyone, and especially on a, on a neutral field um, in the World Cup. I think our guys are going to rise to the occasion. 
that that's my hope as well. Um, and yeah, just coming in as the, the young underdogs, uh, the USA, they don't know how to play soccer. That kind of, you know, stigma can actually mm-hmm. be a benefit to us. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, my reactions when the draw happened, when England got placed in that pot and then they were drawing the next ball out of it, I said, pot two, here we go. Watch. It's going to be USA. Sure enough. Sure and, enough. Uh, USA in the same group as England again, just on like Black 2010. Friday. Yeah. So we're going to play England on Black Friday in November, day after Thanksgiving, November 2022. And, uh, yeah, that's we've had our history with them, no doubt. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. But uh, yeah. and then Iran, I mean, you know, I I'll put my hand up. I have not done enough research into Iran yet, but obviously, they're they're gonna be extremely difficult. And, and look, they're look, right. I mean, their proximity wise, yeah, proximity right there, too. Right there. Exactly. That's another factor. That yeah, I mean, travel and and all that kind of stuff. And you know, they they'll be close to home in a lot of ways right so like definitely those are probably you would put those in the um in the factors positive factors for them to be successful Mm -hmm. right and then when you look at the the euro play-in i mean you've got ukraine taking on scotland first and wales has the bye Mm -hmm. and then wales will play the winner in wales in cardiff right right so everyone's kind of penciling in wales just because of that, because they have a buy and then a home game. Mm-hmm. But we all know soccer is a beautiful game, and it can be uh, can cause some beautiful upsets sometimes. So, I mean, look with everything that's going on in the world with Ukraine and Russia. I mean, Ukraine has a lot to play for. So, uh, I w- I wouldn't be shocked if Ukraine could get it get through. I also wouldn't be shocked if Scotland could do it too. Right. So, whoever yeah. it may be, I mean, we're gonna have a a, a second. Um, Euro team, so it'll be England and then another Euro team and then Iran. And uh, I mean, what a group! It's a great storylines going into this are going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, I think any of those three teams that gets in and joins, joins these Iran, England, and USA. I mean, those just those three names you say those, you're like, wow, what a group! Um, just from, from I guess a geopolitical, uh, worldwide. Uh, narrative, but then at the same time, you look at the soccer perspective. You say, "Hey, these teams are all really good." You know, England obviously is "quote unquote" one of the top five teams in the world. Well, they uh, lost right in the finals of the last summer on on penalty kicks, right? Yeah. And so they're going to be incredibly hard to beat. And then you bring in these other potential teams into the group. It, it's going to be a hard group to get out of. But um, looking forward to the build up as we go along. But any any final thoughts, Cody? Yeah, I mean, like we touched on. It's so nice to be able to exhale that previous failure of the last 2017-18 cycle and kind of just approach, okay, now next step in the process, let's examine these opponents in our age and let's prepare our boys as best as we can to get it, uh, get ready to go for this 2022 Qatar World Cup. Man, I'm stoked. I'm excited. I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be different. Obviously, it's not in the summer. It's in the fall, winter now, end of November into December. I mean, so there'll be, you know, big changes with that and uh, definitely going to look forward to it. So, but glad this qualification cycle is behind us. It was an experience. It was nervy at times, but 
Never in doubt. Never in doubt, really. Never in doubt. Those are the words we're going to go with. Well, <laughs> it's been fun, a fun journey along the way, and we are certainly far from done. Uh, this has been Play the Advantage U.S. Men's National Team Podcast. For Cody, I'm Danny. We're going to the World Cup. Go USA.